0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of Ask the CEO with Avraham Gottile. Today I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He is an accomplished results-driven technology security and risk executive with an MBA and 20-plus years experience and success leading information technology teams. He is the co-founder of JLS Technology USA and has a proven track record of successful portfolio management organization building, and leadership abilities in the areas of information and cybersecurity, systems development, e-commerce, enterprise architecture, enterprise infrastructure, cloud computing, disaster recovery, risk management, digital transformation, strategic planning, and entrepreneurship. He has been recognized as a thought leader in information technology and information security, As a top 20 most social CIO in the Huffington Post, a top 20 most influential chief information technology officer, top 100 data security influencer, and sought-after speaker at events, it is my pleasure to welcome Will LaSalle. Welcome, Will. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Very excited to... uh to be part of the show. I'm very excited to be talking to you. you. Know As you know, cybersecurity is such an important topic, and especially with all those billions and billions of connected devices out there and billions more being added on a regular basis. Um, you know What I'm finding is that many companies seem to be downplaying cybersecurity to the point where AT&T published this article that stated that 25% of businesses would rather spend their money on cybersecurity insurance where's this disconnect coming from you know the, the
1: the disconnect comes from it's it's kind of always been there with respect to security and it's security and cybersecurity information security has gotten very hot in the past few years i mean we still have all this talk in the political uh, space with regards to election hacking and and influence outside influence foreign influence um, but it's it's been around for years, and it's something where um, you, you've had organizations not spend the money because there's no kind of ROI, so to speak. So people have always been having that thought process of you, you spend money to make money. Well, when it comes to cybersecurity, information security, you're kind of spending money, um, and, and you're getting the government to get involved because companies haven't spent the money to protect, uh, the data and the, the effects long-term of that. And what I mean by that is um, your, your social security number is your social security number from the time you're born or soon after you're born um, for the rest of your life. And, and once that's compromised, it's compromised. I mean, you can literally go on, and I've been at events where people can go on there and show you paste bins with uh, Bill Gates' social security number, right, or other famous celebrities and, and you know, influential people's social security numbers because they didn't have, you know, some organizations, been hacked and breached and that information has been exposed um so when people look at it from an insurance standpoint they're they're really um to, in my opinion kind of trivializing it to the, to the point of like a car i mean years ago i used to get car alarms and and protected by Vipers, stand back etc and it just got to a point man i got insurance if somebody wants my car they're going to steal my car they steal my car i put in an insurance claim right Um, I get a new car, right? I'm not going to chase after the thieves, uh, which a long time ago I I, I did when they broke into my car. Um, And I, short short sidebar, and I called the cops as I'm chasing after the person that broke into my car, and they're literally just taking the report over the phone. Like, what was stolen? What's this? You know, yeah, we'll send you a report. So they had no interest in chasing that. It was, was, to me, it was the value and the thought around it. But then it kind of put that into perspective of these things can be replaced. Now, the, the, the bad part that I see with the advice that AT&T is giving or saying and the insurance companies is you don't understand the impact. I mean, we're still hearing things um, over the Equifax, you know, breach from a couple of years ago, right? We're still hearing those numbers. We heard with the Yahoo incident where um, it, it made the cost of what Verizon purchased it, right? Because they didn't understand that the breach had as much impact as it did that it made um, Verizon lower their offer, right, and, and further negotiate with Yahoo to purchase Yahoo, right? So it's it, it sort of, um, you can't see what the, you can't predict what the damage is and the ramifications and the downstream impact of that to be able to get insurance. I mean, a lot of these breaches, I mean, if Target had insurance, uh, you know, and then the second part to that is, is a company, what would make a company insurable? Right. There would have to be some kind of checklist around that, you know. So, again, the organization, yes, you would have to get insurance, but you would have to do lay something down to be able to become um, insurable and to make sure that your premiums are, you know, within the the constraints of that cost. Right. Because otherwise I would just sit there and take the lazy way out. Oh, I got insurance. So that means I'm not going to update firmware. I'm not going to update patches. I'm not going to vet vendors. I'm not going to do security assessments. It's kind of bizarre to me if that's the advice, um, and, and you know, I think it's a solution. I think it's something that if if you need that kind of insurance just in case you know a breach happens, so you can pay a, com- a computer cybersecurity firm to come in and do analysis or you know plug the holes that have been bre- you know, opened by the um, you know bad actors. Then you know I can I can understand it, but if if somebody's um, strategy if a CISO strategy is to simply just get cybersecurity insurance then they shouldn't be a CISO.
0: Yeah, I agree and it's bad for business cuz if you think about it from the company standpoint, okay, they're protected, they you know, their insurance is payout is going to cover whatever cybersecurity solutions they need after the fact, you know, to close the barn door after the horses escaped but what about the customers the customers are looking at this and going wow so my social security number is going to be compromised and that's going to be haunting me for the rest of my life but he's protected with insurance and you know that's seems to me like a really bad business decision
1: yeah it's a, it, it's a very bad business decision and it and it it also you know um knowledge is power right so your customer base you know as they experience these kind of things and they see that, oh, wow, you're just, you know, you don't care um, what happens to me. You don't care about my downstream impact, right? You just treat me as a customer, you know, a little notch. A number. Yeah, a number. Um, And and you had some of that negative um, pushback with Facebook recently as well, right? Um, and, And then you had, it gets magnified and you get people like Elon Musk or something like that that say, we're just completely... Coming off of Facebook, right? Because we can't, we can't trust them. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things is if you can't trust these people to secure your data. So you get this regulation that comes in, right? Um, like GDPR in the UK, uh, in the EU, which, which really, um, ends up magnifying that fact that, that now you got the government intervening and it's creating kind of regulations and corporate entities are sitting here saying, Oh wow, we got to do all this stuff, but it's kind of where it's protecting the the, the consumer, right? It's protecting the consumer, protecting their data, um, because like I said earlier, you know, some of this stuff, yeah, like like you were saying, I got hacked now. Somebody sits on that data for three years. This company had insurance. Now somebody strikes three years later, and I'm wondering. My wife, sometimes we live down in South Florida, which is like, um, you know, fraud capital of the of, of the world, so to speak, right? So she gets hit with credit card fraud often, you know, and we call the bank. The bank, you know, reverses those charges. They do an investigation. They reverse them. What the bank does is send us a new card. But my wife, she worries so much. She goes, what happened? How did we get this? How did? And I said, I thought her flat out. I'm like, hey, we could never know, right? It could be an organization that somebody's advised them don't even disclose the breach, right, you, that, that they've been breached because if they disclose the breach, all of a sudden that company's gonna go belly up, right? I mean, I, for one, am interested to see how long Equifax is able to last with that, you know, with that breach, um, you know, and be able to be a partner to not only um, corporations, but also in their business model where you can get credit monitoring, etc. You know, especially when you hear how the breach happened, you know, in terms of um, lazy passwords, right? Lazy admin passwords. Admin
0: one, two, three, four. <laughs>
1: yeah and no 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 uh patch management policies right or 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 you have it in writing, but you're really not you know executing against it right you're you're saying what you do, but you're not doing what you say, so I'm interested to see what what transpires and if they're still around
0: for sure, and, and it's interesting what you say about many companies that get hacked don't even disclose that, so Equifax was unfortunate in that everybody found out about them. How many more such companies out there were hacked and that we don't even know about
1: oh yeah i mean and and, and at, you know i've advised and i've consulted on a lot of engagements and you know you hear something and it, it now it's become kind of cliche right with with how cybersecurity's gotten so hot the last three to five years but before it was something where i used to tell people hey it's not a question of um if you know um or, or when you may have already been breached right um you may have already been hacked you may have already had um, bad actors, you know, do things or, or leave back doors or whatever like that, whether it's in, an internal threat, external threat, or a vendor threat, right? Um, or, you know, bad practices, right? You got people, you don't have a, an awareness program, um, and you got people that fell for these, uh, Nigerian scams and have clicked
0: on a phishing email. And, you mean and, they didn't win twenty million dollars and and had their money deposited in their bank account?
1: Yeah, yeah, they haven't. Man, they plugged in their credentials. You know, listen, I get I get this stuff all the time, right? And, and you'd be shocked at at some of the people, which is it's even in the security space, right? So it's people with um, a lot of those letters after their name, right? C I S S P, you know, uh, GRIC, whatever, whatever kind of you know. Um, credentials and it it, it ends up there they'll sit there and they'll forward an email and say hey you know is this is it okay did you guys send this out and it's like man that looks really good but yeah i i don't think you know that's us asking you to you know fill out that sign or something like that right um so they fall victim to these and they open those back doors and when when you when you have the mindset of these these bad actors and and what they uh, how they operate, right, um, they can accumulate these credentials, right? They can sit there and systematically start elevating and playing around and elevate their privileges, um, gain access to other systems while they're in the systems, And this could be a multi-year effort, right? Um, um, so, you know, they can download a little bit of data here, download there before they, they sit there and really are caught. Um, I, I remember I had incidents where, you know, you're monitoring, um, and, and these people are just little by little trying to brute force attack. Right. And if we don't have the things in place, right. So whatever, every day, they may be trying, trying 10 passwords a day. Right. Um, just to stay
0: under the radar, so to speak,
1: just to stay under. And then, then when they get in, you know, they're constantly elevating. So this thing ends up being where, you know, I had one incident where I said that and I came in and I was doing an assessment and and we we did the assessment and then um, we realized that some of the gear was end of life. We were going to rip it out, et cetera. Um, once we started ripping out that gear and we went with a whole nother vendor, we were able to identify that, that there was, and it was either done maliciously or done by a vendor that did things stupid. But, you know, the rules and the access control list was in place, was in a way that it actually was open to everybody as opposed to, you know, close to everybody. So, in essence, you know, people even on the public Wi-Fi would be able to get into the back end system. You know, and, and, and you're talking about the same thing how you're talking about data. You know, at that point, when did this happen? How long has it happened? Was any data compromised? To do all that research would cost so much money that the organization just chooses to stay here and say, well, we weren't hacked. Let's just assume we weren't hacked as opposed to erring on the side of caution, assuming we were hacked and records were compromised. So, again, you don't know, right, because now we've moved beyond that. We've replaced infrastructure. But, again, whomever was in, in those databases, right, whoever was our partners, whoever was our customers, you know, their data was exposed. Do we know if there was a breach or not? We would have had to done deep forensics and everything like that, which would have cost a lot of money to identify yay or nay. So the decision, the strategic decision was to ignore it. You didn't see that. Well, we're ripping that gear out anyway, just put in the new gear. And and we put in the new gear. But again, I, I don't know if there really was a breach or not, just that it was exposed for a very long time
0: wow so will tell us a little bit about jls technology usa and the kinds of solutions you offer to the marketplace
1: sure sure so so at jls technology what, what we offer is um, we do a lot in the digital transformation executive recruiting and social media management um you know uh, especially around um cybersecurity and governance risk and compliance right um so a lot of the services that we end up doing is, is helping organizations um, uh, improve their security posture, right? And, and put in a security program. A lot of them do it because they, they see the, the fear mongering that's going on and they realize it. A lot of them understand that they've kicked a the can down the road. Um, and a lot of them really just do it because they're coerced, right? Uh, meaning with some kind of compliance or regulation that's coming, coming down the pipe. So they sit here and go, okay. And usually with those, you know, you, they kick the can down the road to absolutely absolutely and they they see something like oh x, amount, x organization was fine find x billion dollars right um and and what i normally tell organizations in that space is listen these government organizations that exist to enforce these regulations regulations exist for a reason right they they have to in order for them to exist and they have to find people that have violated you know et cetera. A, to make examples of them for, for, for other organizations, but or B, to justify their own existence, right? So if I'm an auditor for an organization like that, I'm going to go through things with a fine-tooth comb. So you have to put yourself in that mindset and and fill out the, the checklist, you know, and make sure that you have this and make sure that you can answer any of the questions that they come um, around with. Now, that's, again, because you don't want to get hit with, you know, slapped over the wrist and get hit with a fine. The reality is, though, people should be doing this and organizations should be doing this because they really do care. You know, and you'll notice that a lot from me where I say care and relationships. They really do care about their customers. They care about their partners and care about that trust and, and that symbiotic relationship that's built with them. Um, so they, the reality is people should be doing cybersecurity and, and implementing these things because they care, right? They care about their customers, their partners, their vendors, their organization. Um, it really shouldn't be that they're forced. I mean, that that sounds like, you know, when I'm talking with my kids, right, and I'm trying to build them up into, you know, upstanding citizens and adults in the future, you know, and it's like, don't clean your room because we're telling you, you clean your room. Clean your room because you want to clean your room because you want to have a clean room and you can find all your stuff, et cetera. So it's sort of like I think organizations should be doing cybersecurity, really maintaining the cybersecurity posture because it, it makes sense and they want to continue that trust because we, again, the past two years we've had – in election in contest in contest, right? Because um, you know where people are contesting it. I mean, um, because of the threat of outside bad actors that have influenced this kind of election, right? So, um, if, if we have that kind of passion, we have that kind of passion for our internal organizations and our customers and partners.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that the culture will determine who's ultimately going to be successful in the industry. Because if you think about it, again, going back to the consumer, I would rather deal with a company that has a culture of putting the customer's needs first, and Mm -hmm. taking care of the customer because they care about it, rather than the the government holding a gun to their head and telling them, you better or else you'll be fine. Because on, on the one hand, if you care about the customer, then no matter what loopholes exist within government regulations, you'll always be protected. But if you're being forced to do it, well, it's, you know, sort of like people speeding on the highway, right? You know, as soon as the cop is gone, well, guess what? Everybody hits the gas.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well said.
0: So, Will, telcos and contact centers are especially vulnerable to hacking due to the wealth of personal customer information that are contained in their databases, how can they protect themselves from the daily barrage of cyber attacks, such as phishing, ransomware, and other social engineering types of attacks that they get on a daily basis?
1: Oh, definitely, man. You know, and, and one of the things is there's a lot of good tools to do that. Um, a lot of good tools. So in a nutshell, to answer that is to really put in, to really put in and establish a cybersecurity program. That's all-encompassing, right? Um, that includes tools to monitor against these external threats, tools to monitor anomalies and, and detect internal threats, right? You, you got someone, they realize um, it could be as simple as they realize that they don't like it there. They've got a job offer from someplace else. Um, they've been compromised for whatever reason, right? Um, um, I mean you can get extreme right you can look towards movies and say the person's family is being held hostage so they're doing it against their own will so now they have to come in because they have all this access and use their card or their access to to take out this data and put it on a thumb drive or plug in a thumb drive so you got to have these tools that that can monitor detect that um you got to have your policies in place you got to have security awareness training and it has to go a step further than to just tell people be security aware, right? Get up from your seat, hit control, alt, delete to lock your, your thing. Don't write your password or don't make your password password. It needs to be a little more than that then. Like we said earlier with the phishing attempts, right, you, where where we can simulate that, right, and and reinforce good habits so we can simulate a phishing attempt, see who exactly has clicked on it and what they have done, and then come back and not beat them up over it, but come back and send them, hey, we got to send you to training or, hey, this is what you did wrong, you know when you see these things, and, and we, we can measure, analyze, and improve, right? Using, if you want to use some kind of Six Sigma, DMAIC, right, um, define, measure, analyze, improve, control. You know, your policies, your procedures, your standards, everything to kind of just, just make it where your cybersecurity program is as healthy as possible. Um, and, and you have those mechanisms in place, right? Because sometimes the breaches can be done inadvertently. I mean, um, you think you got the best. I, I've done a lot of work in airports. I've, I've worked for certain organizations and I've seen, you know, some of the best, you know, security clearances, security cards, everything like that. And unfortunately, just recently, a couple of days ago, we had the incident in Seattle where somebody literally stole and flew off with a plane. Right. I mean, and, and it's a person that had clearance that apparently was also taxiing the plane you know beforehand so you look at things like that so even when you do all this stuff you, you got to be able to, to really have the the mechanisms and, and things to expect the unexpected and i think that's where because um, at the end of the day it also becomes a cat and mouse game right um you can have all the best tools you know and 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 the bad guys get access to that too as well and they can reverse engineer or they can figure out your best policy your best processes and, and, and sit there and say, okay, well, what, how can I circumvent those, right? And again, like I said, I mean, you can look at movies for the extreme, right? But, but sometimes, you know, um, reality is, is crazier than even the movies, right? Yeah. And how things happen, so.
0: So let's, let's talk about another uh, security topic we're all familiar with the ubiquitous blockchain and everybody's jumping on the blockchain bandwagon. Um, what are you seeing out there with regards to people leveraging blockchain for security?
1: Great, great, great question. And um, I, I, I actually work with a, uh, I'm actually an advisor to a, a blockchain startup um, that um, is in currently in stealth mode. And what, what they're um, what 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 we are working on on that side is um kind of an an identity and access management platform and and background check i'm trying not to you know spill the secrets sauce. background check and verification um in the blockchain right and w- with that trusted ledger type of uh type of technology um what i've seen as far as use cases you know and that's a great question early on everybody was was all you know Blockchain, 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 and, and mostly in the finance space at first, right? And that's because with the Bitcoin and, and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of use cases in the, in the finance space. Um, I've advised a lot of healthcare companies and I worked with a, with, with a startup that was, that has kind of changed their focus too. They were originally, um, going to combat healthcare fraud and, and now they realize that, um, again, verifying the person. Right. Um, it's something that's critical and, and being able to utilize the blockchain. My full name is Wilfredo LaSalle. I thought it was pretty unique, except I'm junior. Um, and then I went and I Googled or went on Facebook and I see other people named Wilfredo LaSalle in the world. Right. So I'm like, wow. But what I'm getting at is if, if there's, you know, one of the things that I've seen, and I don't know the exact statistics is where um, you have a patient that shows up in a hospital and they're administered uh, the wrong medication, right? They're allergic to this because they can't identify the person. The person has shown up unconsciously. You know, um, again, you can look up the person's record that say even if they have a driver's license and it'll show, well, Fredo LaSalle, right? But what if there's, you know, I'll give you a more common name, you know, and down here in South Florida, you know, you have um, Jose Cruz, right? There's gotta be uh, maybe just a thousand alone Jose Cruz is in, in South Florida. You know, and what if that person's um, allergic to a certain medication, and they've come in there. So the, being able to, to think about something that is this, uh, this ledger that's kind of, um, you know, it's untamperable with, right, that, that we can have the accurate data up there and being able to cross-reference something like that for identity um, verification. I think is, is, a, is a great use case and something in the in the security space right um and you know there's other use cases that i know about and i've heard about in the financial you know realms and everything like that but when it comes to security i think really the practicality with blockchain technology is in the iam space
0: now are you finding that there are, uh, that there are um ai based tools being introduced to the market for security
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I've worked with, with, with a couple of them, and that's a great question, too, because, um, you know, and I was just having a conversation with, about the other day around this. The thing with, with so it's it's well-known, right? I read a statistic the other day that there's 75,000 job openings right now that require a CISSP. So 75,000 openings, you know, give it a couple of 100 or whatever like that. I'm evening out the numbers here. And there's only 73,000 approximately credentialed CISSP, right? So when you look at it from a standpoint of that's just talking about CISSP. So we look at stock analysts, right? Security Operations Center analysts and people manning these stocks. And we talk about 24 by seven and it's a global economy, right? So we can't think just nine to five, Monday through Friday. You know, we have to be watching the doors and and, and watching the data 24 by seven, 365, 366 during a leap year, right? got it we we have to have that mindset there's just not enough people there's not enough cops right to, to maintain control so the thing is and then when you talk about the data in and out right, you got organizations that create terabytes of data a day daily right so with AI and with a lot of these tools that are coming out with AI it really can sit there and automate the task condense and be able to process this data for large organizations I'm sure the Googles, the Apples, the Microsofts of the world have this in place already to be able to make it where you got the concentrated version of logs and events for the security analysts to be able to go through. Um, and with that artificial intelligence, be able to to detect even anomalies, right? Be able to, you know, one thing that I had a very brilliant um, chief engineer, chief architect that I worked with at a startup. And we talked years ago, three, four years ago, we talked about um, electronic uh, smart cars, smart cars, right? And what he said was, which was spot on, which opened up my thinking. Like, I like that. If if I sit there and I get into a car accident, or somebody gets into a car accident because, oh, you know, I was adjusting the radio or whatever reason, and they get into that car accident, you learn from that mistake if you survive or whatever like that, and you come away with less injuries. You know, hey, going forward, I was young. I didn't wear a seatbelt. I got into an accident in my teens. I wear my seatbelt ever since, right? Because I narrowly escaped that. So I've learned from that. Well, in artificial intelligence and and, and and this kind of thing, you know, everyone, you know, all the machines, right? Not 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 talking like Terminator 2 or whatever like that or any of those, but all of them learn from that mistake, right? So that's where I see the power in it. Where I see, okay. Now where you have algorithms, now where you've detected anomaly, you know, you can have this this team of artificial intelligence, you know, SOC analysts able to detect, okay, that's how the threat is coming in. You know, now all of this this uh, this SOC and all of this um, artificial intelligence-driven, you know, algorithms, et cetera, learn from that, know from that, and can thwart that as opposed to um, even with the power of the internet, You've got the human factors in it, you know, who's adjusted their, um, their own trainings. you know, yeah, you have this person might have this certification, but are they, do they really believe in continuous learning to continue to learn? Are they do they keeping track of all the bulletins that come out to be able to know this is the new threat vectors that are coming in, as opposed to if you integrate artificial intelligence, you satisfy that standpoint um, where they all learn, but at the same time, you satisfy from a, from a training And from a standpoint of you don't have enough people, period. So now if we can create these bots, these artificial intelligence driven um, software applications or whatever, now you can um, sit there and go through all that data and find the patterns, anomalies, or the the actual threats that are occurring in real time even.
0: And I think the value add for that is going to be the fact that those can be integrated into business specific applications as well.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you, you, you got incidences where, you know, you can, um, you know, you have a lot of people talking about DevOps and the whole thing now where you're getting into DevSecOps, right? So now you can test in, in as you push out code and you push out code daily and we're getting into rapid releases, you can test that code in real time as well to test, to test for security vulnerability, you know, and, and you automate those processes as well. Right. So you're, you're thinking about it from a, from a security focus, um, being able to test and make sure that you don't have any, um, you know, any holes where all of a sudden, yeah, you come out with a new release, you satisfy the requirement of a user functionality and fix the bug. But now you've created a new bug over here. That's a security bug that all of a sudden now these guys can get into the back door and get that data. Cause like we've, we've said and we've beaten that, that dead horse right now, your social security number is not going to change right so if they get it in that small window of opportunity from release dot one to dot two they got it and they got it for life and you've been compromised for life
0: yeah so will what is the next big thing in cybersecurity?
1: oh man i think we we just thought about it and i was as i, as I, come, I was a little long-winded with the answers um i definitely think it's uh Um, machine learning, which is cliche right now, right? But machine learning, blockchain, artificial intelligence, um, I'd even go so far to say even factoring in some RPA, you know, some robotic process automation around it. Um, and the main reason I see it is, you know, um, it's, it's a war that right now we're losing. Um, it's a war that, uh, if you look at it right with, with all the, the bad actors out there and the money that's to be made from that standpoint, right. Um, you see it, and I think the only way we can compete is, is really uh, to sit here and utilize some of these technologies to be able to create a virtual workforce. I mean, right now, you can hardly tell if you go into a certain uh, company's e-commerce website if you're talking to a real customer service agent or a bot, right? I mean, they've even been been taught to kind of be empathetic, right? Yeah, it's got
0: to be really good.
1: Uh, yeah, my wife sits there, and sometimes she's on, she's on certain, and she's like, hey, is this guy coming on to me or flirting? And I'm like, I'm like, babe, listen, that could be a bot, you know what I'm saying? Everything like that,
0: you know. Google but, just um, uh, did a demo of that.
1: Yeah, so it's like, wow, but it, it it shows you that, you know, if if this kind of technology we can have it, then yes, we can have coverage 24 by seven. We can have the monitoring, we can, we can automate this, we can ingest, because the data is only going to keep growing and growing and growing. And right now, with the shortfall in um, cybersecurity talent for all those open jobs, um, it really, you know, we really need to start thinking, okay, yes, build, out, build up the workforces, definitely, we have to build up the workforces. That's, look, I think everyone knows that and that's low-hanging fruit, but also some technologies that can, that they can have in their tool set. To be able to look through, you know, uh, terabytes of data. That's only going to get bigger and bigger as we do more, more and more technologies ingest this kind of data. And like you said at the beginning of it, we got billions of connected devices, um, and even more so. Right? Everything's going to be connected. Everything's going to have an IP. You know, uh, everything's going to be able to phone home, so to speak. You know, let let the back office know that they've been tampered with, or let the back office know that a part is failing, and the part miraculously shows up with a drone you know in your house right I mean I I have an alarm system that it runs on batteries I don't have to run wires and the alarm system you know lets the place know that the batteries are running out they let me know and place the order for replacement batteries and I get the battery here at my door before they die and I I just think you know as we we do things like that and we evolve um, and technology continues to evolve in that manner we really need to take advantage of these tools to help continue to to wage this battle with bad actors that are trying to steal that data.
0: For sure. So, Will, how do people connect with you?
1: Sure, people can find me. Um, the main place uh, they can find me participating in chats and and just really um, microblogging, so to speak, and and uh, tweeting is on Twitter at um, wlasalle. Um, that's probably one of my, my favorites. But you can also find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, um, and Google+, Plus, at WLASAL, W-L-A-S-S-A-L-L-E. Um, or they can email me at com.
0: Perfect. And I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can just click on it and get right to you. Awesome. Great. Will, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Sure, sure. And, and it goes back to earlier what we were talking about too, right? Um, one quote that I really like and I – I can't attribute it to, to anyone, so I'm sorry I can't give the person credit. But it's, you know, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? Um, and I and I think in a lot of the conversations that we've had, we've talked about that, right? You know, um, and the the companies caring about their vendors, caring about their customers, right, and showing that they care, you know what I'm trying to say, um, goes a long way. So if they they're taking care of that personal data, they're taking care of that and securing it. Then it goes a long way where now I'm open up, now I'm more vested, in my opinion, vested in that co- company to do more business with them, you know, in whatever fashion that is. Um, I think also what that says is that relationships matter, right? Um, whether it's in business development, personal development, um, or professional development. Um, you know, relationships really make a difference. Um, and, and in my opinion, can make or break your, your business and or, you know, derail your plans or goals right I mean if um you know you have a lot of if if people sit there and say wow you're an organization or you were the head of an organization right that didn't take into account uh, security and and you compromise hundreds or thousands you know of people's personal data it's gonna be real tough for you to start a new company right especially where everything lives on on the internet start a new company for you to sit there and sell a new product, for you to sit there and even go into an organization and, and they can sit there in a background check or or you're notorious, right, or infamous for it, where you led to a, a cybersecurity breach, you know, it's real tough, right? So I think if you go with that mindset, um, it, it's, I guess, a play on the golden rule, right? Do it to others as you would want others to do and to you type, so that's what I would say, you know, relationships matter um again people don't care what you know until
0: they know that you care will thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom i really enjoyed having you on the show
1: thank you thank you for having me and you know likewise thanks so much